Leave Dead Source, your home for infectious diseases of all kinds. My name's Nathan, your healthiest host. My name is Andy, your second host. I'm Pat. I'm a perfect vector for disease. Excellent. We can talk about that. What, what, if you what exactly to, do you mean by that? That uh, was a strange a thing perfect, to say. A perfect vector for disease. What, well, what so makes you say that? Lots, lots of people are asymptomatic and still contagious. It's particularly the age group of twenty-five to forty males. Some of them are very, experiencing very mild symptoms or no symptoms at all, and still being contagious. And I happen to be in contact with a lot of people throughout the day, so. Mm. But never, the way you deliver stuff, you're mm-hmm. not ever in, like, around a ton of people. It's, you're around no, a lot of really. individuals. Well, a lot of individuals. You make out with each one, though, as you go. Well, the perks, yeah. the perks mm. of, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, the, the Uber job. Uber driving is like that, like intensified. Oh, you're like sure. in an enclosed space. You make out with everybody. I make everybody roll down the window and stick their head outside. Uh, Maybe I should start doing that, driving like a dog. Well, well have a mask. Or something. <laughs> Drive around. Or just have a, a box of masks to hand out. I don't know how expensive they are, though. I don't think and you can find them right. They're now. impossible to find. I Fair think enough. you can't find any. Uh, how's everybody's week? Nothing Good. interesting going on. Man, I got a job. Nice. Hey, bam, Yeah, it's selling cars. Well, that's cool. That's fun. So, yeah, paycheck, right? I've always said you're good at lying, so it should be good. Well, I don't know what. Well, you yeah, gotta you gotta connect people to the right car for them, but you also have to convince them that they want like luxury package options that they weren't necessarily going to find on their own. Are you selling used cars, new cars, somewhere in between? I think both. I haven't. I don't start until Wednesday. Okay, so. that's super cool. Though. But yeah, do I you mean, have enough suits to take care of all this? They're not really like super suity. Ooh. Some of them were wearing like polo. Some were wearing, you know, just button down. Just look classy. Like sleeve with sleeveless shirts. Like business business casual. Mm. Here. Uh, I think hey, like, hi, hey, ma'am, I know you're not in the uh, market for a car, but can I interest you in any pythons? Ugh. Uh, for those of you at home, I'm now flexing. Is that a word for muscles? Pythons? Pythons. Totally. I haven't heard oh. that. These hey, guns. can I get you? Uh, can I get you two tickets to the gun show? Mm. So anyway, the the nice thing about being under like self-imposed like semi-quarantine, like just not going out and doing things. I mean, everything's closed anyway, so what are you going to go out and do? But if you are the kind of person who likes sitting at home playing video games or reading or whatever it is that you do that does not involve people, it's not such a bad time. So <laughs> I you saw, can just kind of hang out. I saw a nice little like I don't know whether to call it a meme. It was a tweet, but the, it was one of those things where extroverts were asking introverts, what do you do all the time? And introverts respond with dot, dot, dot. Cause they're introverts. They yeah. Talk to you. Oh, that is very funny. Yeah. yeah. No, I like that's it. good. <laughs> How's your week? Anything exciting? I've been, uh, I am one of the bad people who I've been taking in all the coronavirus stuff. I mean, Ubering has not been great. No. Cause there's, Normally, I drive a lot on Saturday nights, 
drive people back and forth to the club. Events and stuff like that. Yeah, the club is uh, legally closed. If we haven't been clear, we're all Ohio people. And Ohio... What do you mean, Ohio people? Well, we live in Ohio. Now you're stuck in Ohio. But those those memes really get me. (laughs) Very funny memes. Um, I don't hate Ohio. I love Ohio. No, I and Cleveland is killing it lately. I love I love Cleveland. You should come visit us because there's awesome stuff to do here. Not now. Definitely don't visit us now. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) But later at a different time, you should come visit. A year to eighteen months, I believe. Oh God, I hope not. Oh, so Media. for everyone who knows, we live in Ohio. There and you go. One of the things that recently happened in Ohio, thanks to the coronavirus, is uh, the closure of all restaurants and bars. Yeah, it only happened yesterday. Yeah, it's been in effect for less, less than, than twenty four hours. hours. <laughs> I, I drove by the bar what, Saturday? And, uh, like, there were just, like, a ton of people in there. <laughs> it's like, I what are you them. folks doing? I've got plenty of booze here at my house, but you're not invited. And what I will say is, I, I do love to shit on some Republicans. I do. Because they deserve it, like, a lot. Like, so you... often. But, but I want to say something good about a Republican. Our governor, uh, Mike DeWine, has done a great job on this. He's been in front of this thing, uh, they restricted about a week ago any gatherings to a hundred people before any other state had done that. Right. Um, it's also smaller than a lot of other states. A lot of other states are saying 250 people. And I believe we were the first state to close bars and restaurants because it's probably not good to be sitting next to a bunch of other people. So like your conventions, your anything, any big gatherings, but the thing rock is, concerts. You 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 talk about this stuff, and it has been hard for me to wrap my head around. I understand it on an intellectual level, but you don't understand it until you start thinking about all the different things where you're in close proximity with people, like all the time. Like mm-hmm. I went to a grocery store. I've I made sure that my house has food. I did not over by I bought for about a week maybe a week and a half but I went to a few stores and the choice of stores that I went to was based on how big their parking lot was how big I know their square footage was versus how many cars can fit in that area trying to make sure that there's a farmer's market I love that I didn't go to because it's always cramped when you go there you're shoulder to shoulder with people and they have great deals and they have the freshest produce and they have the best fried chicken in town I will. Well, there's no reason not to say it. it it's Miles Farmer's Market. It's uh, over on the east side, sort of Solon-ish area. Hmm. Uh, it's great, but it's also got a enormous parking lot compared to the size of the store. And it's got a lot of narrow uh, mm-hmm. walkways. And so a lot of I didn't people go can, there. Go, can go there because a lot of people can park there. Yeah. And a lot of people do go there because it's got the best produce at the best prices. Well, and if I get in town, if I might interpret your, please, it's uh, somewhat because then you are not having people breathe directly on your face, social distance within within six feet. So I'm trying uh, to the guy in Australia who had that like big giant hoop around his waist. That's pretty funny. Yeah, um, like I did not turn himself into a giant. So a guy, (laughs) yeah, a guy like. Set up straps around him and has a giant disc yeah. around his waist that has a uh, diameter of six feet. 
All right, it might have been a radius. Like, it could it have been six big. feet. It was very big. It was but big. basically, like, physically, funny. people couldn't get near him unless they jumped over the disc or <laughs> climbed tight. under it. Yeah. How do you get through doors? He did not. He definitely could not. <laughs> could <laughs> that thing. It was a very bad idea, but also very fun. Yeah. Um. So the theory behind social distancing, I had originally thought it was like, oh, that the we're, we're going to... Contain and eliminate this virus because of social distancing. Well, I mean, that would be a little optimistic. That would be nice. Right. But, um, really what you want to do is you want to spread out the number of ICU beds that get occupied over time mm-hmm. over a longer amount of time. Flattening the curve is what they call it. Yeah. And the idea is imagine you have a graph and there's a, there's a line in the middle of it that represents the the capability, the capacity of hospitals in your area. Yeah. What happens is if we keep on going the way we normally go, going to our bars and restaurants and our concerts and being together in big groups, people get the disease really, really fast, and there is a huge spike in the numbers on this graph, and it goes well above what your hospitals can handle. But and if we self if we self quarantine and we practice this social distancing and stuff like that. Still probably around the same amount of people are going to get it, but they're going to get it over a longer span of time, which means there are going to be enough hospital beds like you talked about. Right. And, and obviously, like, we, we didn't come up with this, but like, I'm, I'm sure it's all over I, the news, all over the place. Actually, I did. That's, did you? It was mine. Oh, okay. Well, so good job I then. I called the CDC. Thanks. Let them know. Thank you. For, you're, for you're welcome. America and planet Earth. But I think the theory behind it is kind of cool. It's sound. But it does mean that a lot of us have to stay inside and watch Rick and Morty again or whatever. I mean, it is having and will continue to have a very profound and prolonged effect on the economy. And I'm not saying that we should not take these measures and go and go and spend your money and go to those bars because you have to keep the economy afloat. No, no. Stay safe, right? Healthy. The help, the best thing to help the economy recover is to cure the disease and help get everybody back to normal. Right. No doubt about it. But there's gonna be, and, and I, I think it, it's worth preparing for, there's gonna be a significant impact in the economy. There's gonna be a lot of businesses that lose a lot of money that isn't going to come back. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not gonna go out, uh, if you haven't been out to eat, you're not gonna suddenly go out to a restaurant every single night to make up for your lost time or anything like right. that. A few days ago, every dollar that Trump's administration had added to the stock market was wiped out. And that was as a few days ago. It was like $11.5 trillion was wiped out. The stock market has something built in called a circuit breaker. And I will definitely be throwing in a fact check about this because I have, I think, the general correct information, but I don't know all of it off the top of my head. But it has a circuit break, circuit breaker that's kicked in in the past. And basically what it is, is if the stock market opens up and it drops a certain amount in a certain amount of time, it shuts down, it closes down all trading. Mm. It happened once in history. I do not know when that was. Nathan, go ahead and throw that in the fact check. Fact check, fact check, fact check. And welcome back to fact check. There's a lot to dig into here with trading curbs, also known as circuit breakers, but since I don't want to spend the whole episode talking about it, let me just cover the basics. On October 19th, 1987, the Dow Jones crashed 
falling 22.6%, accompanied by crashes in the futures and options markets. This day has come to be known as Black Monday. Because of this, circuit breakers were put into place to avoid crashes. Circuit breakers are regulatory measures to temporarily halt trading on an exchange, which are in place to curb panic selling. They apply to both broad market indexes such as the S&P 500, as well as individual securities, and exist in the United States as well as other countries. As of the recording of this podcast, they've only been used five times in the United States since Black Monday. Once on October 27th, 1987, which was about a week after Black Monday, and on March 9th, 2020, March 12th, 2020, March 16th, 2020, and today, as I'm recording this, March 18th, 2020. Unless you're planning on retiring today, do not look at your 401k. And that's it. Let's get back to the show. Back check, back check, back check. But over the last week and a half, it's happened, I think it happened again today, three or four times. Yikes. So today the Dow dropped 2,700 points. Stock market dropped uh, 2,200 points. That's, I mean, that's 10, I think for the Dow is 13%. I mean, think about like my, like if you have, if you're thinking about retiring soon, think about what's happening to your retirement plan if you are invested in the stock market. Right. Well, so this brings to another point that I uh, wanted to talk about, like opportunism. There's a lot of people who see this as a huge opportunity for them. Uh, for example, um, you know, we were talking about people that are hoarding supplies right. with the intention of reselling them. But also politically... I think both parties have kind of seized on this in different and unique ways to kind of say like, oh, well, you know, this disease is the perfect opportunity for me to make a propaganda point that, um, you know, clearly what the other guy is doing is not working mm-hmm. or here's why that they are full of it. And I, for one, am... Very tired of people looking at it as an opportunity. I think in the past, so I don't want everything to be about Trump. In the past, I feel like other administrations have understood the weight of the office and why it's important to have a certain sense of honor for the office of the president. And one thing that past presidents have been able to do is whether you like them or not, whether you hate them or not, they've been able to go on TV and explain the facts in detail and say, this is what's happening, this is what we're doing, this is why it's going to be okay. Yeah, bring bring us together as a nation in times of crisis. I was telling you guys earlier, I f***ing hated George W. Bush. Hated him. Yeah, Hated fair. Ted him. But I'll tell you, there was a 12-hour period in this nation's history, right after 9-11, where he came on, he talked to the nation, and he did a good job. He did a super bad job when he was reading My Pet Goat as the towers were coming down. But afterwards, he did an excellent job of bringing us together and giving us the information we needed. He went to, uh, about a week after, less than a week after 9-11, he went to a mosque and talked to them about... Like the good folks standing with me, 
the American people um, were appalled and outraged. Um, at last Tuesday's attacks, and so were Muslims all across the world. Both Americans and Muslim friends and citizens, taxpaying citizens, and uh, Muslims and nations uh, were just appalled and could not believe uh, what, what we saw on our TV screens. These acts of violence against innocents violate the fundamental tenets of the Islamic faith. And it's important for my fellow Americans to understand that. The English translation is not as eloquent as the original Arabic, but let me quote from the Quran itself. In the long run, evil in the extreme will be the end of those who do evil. For that they rejected the signs of Allah and held them up to ridicule. The face of terror is not the true faith of Islam. That's not what Islam is all about. Islam is peace. These terrorists don't represent peace. They represent evil and war. When we think of Islam, we think of a faith that brings comfort to a billion people around the world. Billions of people find comfort and solace and peace. And that's made brothers and sisters out of every race, out of every race. America counts millions of Muslims amongst our citizens. And Muslims make an incredibly valuable contribution to our country. Muslims are doctors, lawyers, law professors, members of the military, entrepreneurs, shopkeepers, moms and dads, and they need to be treated with respect. And our anger and emotion, our fellow Americans must treat each other with respect. Women who cover their heads in this country must feel comfortable going outside their homes. Moms who wear cover must not be intimidated in America. That's not the America I know. That's not the America I value. I've been told that some fear to leave. Some don't want to go shopping for their families. Some don't want to go about their ordinary daily routines because by wearing cover, they're afraid they'll be intimidated. That should not and that will not stand in America. Those who feel like they can intimidate our fellow citizens to take out their anger don't represent the best of America. They represent the worst of humankind. And they should be ashamed of that kind of behavior. Now, this is a great country. It's a great country because we share the same values of respect and dignity and human worth. And it is my honor to be meeting with leaders who feel just the same way I do. They're outraged. They're sad. They love America just as much as I do. And I want to thank you all for giving me a chance to come by. And may God bless us all. Thank you.
Can you imagine? Can you imagine Donald Trump going into a mosque and talking to Muslims about how important it is for them to be Americans? Actually, I kind of can. But not in a good way. No, it would it would go very badly because he's a huge racist. Um, I don't know what it is. Yeah, I mean, the racist thing is my, my main concern, but yes. But what I'm saying is, this is, this is the chickens of the Trump administration coming to roost. This is your 16,000 plus lies that you told over the last three and a half years. This is you not acting in good faith with the American people and the credibility that you need to build up over the course of your campaign and your administration is not there in this moment where we need you. We need you as a country to be able to come together and you don't even make good choices in that you put Mike Pence in charge of the response instead of the head of the CDC. It just it's it's very bad, is what I'm trying to say. Very, very bad. Yeah, I mean, um What, what so, am I gonna argue with you? Like so, oh, no, so, I mean I, I, I yeah, he's you're, you, I thought you were waiting for this. No, I, yeah. I, what am I supposed to say? David um, David I, Nunez uh, of the Senate? I've, yeah. I, he might be... I think he's a senator. He might be a congressman. A, a mini fact check, whatever. But David David Nunez went on TV yesterday and told uh, Americans, hey, if you're healthy, if you and your family are healthy, you need to go out to restaurants. You need to go spend some money. Don't hurt these uh, American patriots who run these bars. And yeah. Like, what are you saying? Why, like, ugh, I yeah. don't, I don't understand. So, mini fact check. On March 15th, 2020, the same day Ohio closed all bars and restaurants, U.S. Representative David Nunes for California's 22nd District went on to Fox News and said this. You know, we were just talking about the economy. Mm. And, and there's a lot of concerns with the economy here because people are scared to go out. Uh, but I will just say, one of the things you can do, if you're healthy, uh, you and your family, it's a great time to just go out, go to a local restaurant. Yeah. Likely you can get in, get in easily. There's, you know, let's not hurt uh, the working people in this country that are relying on wages and tips to keep their small business going. You know, going. we're very so sympathetic. Don't run to the, don't run to the. Understood. Yeah, just don't run to the grocery store and buy, buy, you know, $4,000 of food. Right, they're cleaning go, off the shelves. You know, shelves. go to your local, uh, local pub. Check. Here's here's the weird part about that, and I I don't really have much information on what what's been going on within sure. Trump's base and how they you know that kind of bubble is responding to what he's done and said. Um, the small amount of exposure I have had to some Trump supporters that I know seems to be that they are drinking his Kool Aid. They still don't care. So if you're talking about his credibility and things like that, what does that really mean? Does that mean, like, to his base, he has the credibility. Yeah, what, He has what, the trust. What population to, of people are going uh, to change their mind about credibility at right. this point? But that's think, the thing is, yeah. like, he the pro- one of the big problems here is that he doesn't, have to be credible to everyone. He only has to be credible to his base. So let's go back so, to so he thinks. We'll see. The the thing that's coming to really me out of my head. Re-elected. The things that I have like mm-hmm. interacted with uh, in my lifetime are when Bill Clinton came on TV and talked about the Iraq War, 
mm-hmm. when Bush talked about 9-11, and he came on and talked about the Iraq War, but it's a legal war, and he's a war criminal, and I don't want to talk about that. But George Bush was never going to have, George W. Bush was never going to have my vote, no matter what he said. But the thing is, he comforted me, and he comforted the country in a way that had nothing to do with whether I was going to vote for him or not. Had nothing to do with whether over the long run I was going to change my opinion on him. It had to do with the fact that the office of the president came on the air and gave me accurate information about what was going on. And that is something that we've lost with this administration. No, Nobody can trust him. He has his ride-or-die fans, and nobody's going to change their mind one way or another about him but it would be nice to be able to trust that when he came on, that he was telling us accurate information. He read a I scripted, he read a scripted, a, let me repeat that, a scripted speech from the Oval Office where he got three or four things wrong. Like, it's one thing if he's just standing on a stage and like spouting off, but like, it was a script that they had read where they planned out to lie to the American people about the coronavirus. It's real bad. Right. I, I still think that there's something that's a little cynical in the idea that, okay, well, yeah, the president, you know, may have misrepresented things and did a bad job and has now made like a complete 180 about his attitude towards this crisis. But there's still, there's something cynical about sitting back and thinking like, Ah, uh, you know, this, this is our opportunity. That this, yeah. that this is, um, this is our chance and he's, he's not going to stand a chance of reelection after this. So gaff. Oh man. Let's I, just really quick timeline. How has the administration responded to the coronavirus from the first outbreaks in China? So, yeah. so it started exactly with, with tweets about how like, you know, it's, it's only one case coming out of China and it's not going to be mm-hmm. a big deal. Then it was about how there were 15 cases in the U.S. and, and it'll quickly none it'll quickly go down to, to five zero near yeah. near zero yeah right um which oh and then there is was, a misunderstanding that statement that same PR statement is when he also talked about how he didn't want to bring that cruise ship in because he didn't want it to make his numbers go up. Can I can I also say that Fuck has that been guy. that is. So there's not a lot of funny things about this situation. That to me is very funny because bringing that cruise ship in and testing more because I think they've actively not been testing. Yeah, of course. I think they've actively purposefully not been testing because of statements like that where he didn't want the numbers to go up. About a week ago, the U.S. had tested about 6,000 people. Meanwhile, same time, South Korea was testing 10,000 a day. A day. And... The other thing about South Korea is it's drive-through. You pull up, you get into a line in a parking lot, you're there for about 10 minutes, you pull up, they swab you, they text you your results the next day, and it's all free. But the thing that I was going to say yeah. is what they need to be doing, what the Trump administration needs to be doing is testing as many people as possible because we're all going to know about the deaths. If somebody dies, there's no way to cover that up. And the thing is, every person who dies bumps the lethality rate of this thing over and over. If you haven't accurately figured out how many people actually have the disease, it makes it look way more lethal than it actually is, which is not in the president's best interest. He needs to be testing everybody. 
because that will make it look like it's yeah. less lethal, or it will accurately depict how lethal it is in the yeah. country. There is a role for the president to play, but I think it's also like for for us to say, you know, he did a bad job not because of his actions, but because of the existence of a crisis is not accurate either. Like a crisis is a crisis that a crisis could happen under right. any president. Um, Here's just look, the existence of something is not. I would say if if I had a you know a. A meeting with Donald Trump. Yeah. If I could say anything to him, I would say the same thing to him in context of setting policy as I would to any of anybody on the street that I was talking to, which is listen to the doctor. Listen to the freaking doctor. Yeah. End of story. Just right? do what Trump, Trump, what do the doctors say you need to do to fix this? Make that happen. You know who I trust? Right. I trust the CDC. Just yeah. like whatever the CDC tells us to do, that's that's what we need to be doing. I mean, I, I wouldn't mind bringing in like some outside doctors. I don't always trust the government agencies super hard. All right, CDC is is government agency, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But so, they mean, have one job, and it's I know, this. I know. I know. And, and I don't. And I, I think, don't not trust them. I just wouldn't. I I always. Like a few extra outside voices, and I think the WHO has been good about this. Yep, and this is yep. one of the nice things about being it being a global problem, yeah. and not just a U.S. problem, because we can pull in information from all over. Uh, there was a story yesterday about how Trump, the Trump administration, had contact contacted a group that was furthest along in creating a vaccine in Germany, mm. and asked to buy their vaccine for exclusive U.S. use. What a jackal. Right. So Germany is not very happy with Trump right now. And also, it shows a fundamental misunderstanding of how you act in these situations. Well, and that and sounds super opportunistic. That sounds really... The worst, right? That sounds really non-humanitarian. That's like super villain level evil. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's, a little that's bit. like... It's not quite super villain level. He wants evil. people to die. That's on selfish a... villain, but selfish benefit benefactor, right? That's a selfish benefactor. He wants to do not, not to what's sp- best for his people because that will help him. Not oh. to spread it all over the world. Not to because they're not going to be voting. Oh, but I, I want to be, <laughs> be clear at the exclusion of the rest of them. Because what I believe is Trump wanted to buy it for the United States exclusively so that he could sell it to or. Maybe even just give it to an insurance company or a privately owned healthcare system so that they could sell it to Americans. And then. Is that a confirmed story though? We absolutely not. Fact check. So, no, just, con- that's that just is a throwback. That is to a last Nathan conspiracy, conspiracy theory. <laughs> 100%. But that is exactly what I would expect him to do. Because. Oh, okay. They, they wouldn't say they, a week ago, they were asked, is the cure, when it comes out, going to be affordable for normal Americans? And you know what they said? Nothing. They walked away. They walked away. Mm. So it was not good. So but if, if we can, if I can Bernie Sanders this conversation real quick. I don't know what um, that means. That means I'm going to take a national and global health crisis and use it to talk about health care. Let's do it. So... <laughs> Yeah, okay. Because also, that guy. But, fuck all of them. Uh, 
Just everything. God damn. This world sucks. Anyway, I want <laughs> off. <laughs> I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, I don't. Do Elon I have some? Quit. Do I have some doorknobs you could go around town so with? Elon, take me to Mars. World. Oh my god! But all right, but no. All right, so you have no, do you have a point? Yes. I mean, kind of. Yeah. Um. So worth noting, right? The American healthcare system being highly privatized, it's been spreading pretty bad. Italian single payer healthcare system, Chinese, I believe, is also single payer. Um, literally, like so, it's been literally yeah. every first world nation other right. than ours. So, so obviously, that hasn't really actually been a, made a difference. I, I think it would be foolish to assume that what your healthcare system is would have any impact on preventing the disease. Mm-hmm. What it should be able to facilitate is testing and treating. Yeah. So that's really where we want to be looking for, hey, who's who's doing this well? Who's being effective and efficient with that? South Korea. South Korea has been incredible with it. How are the Philippines? Let's check on the Philippines with a little fact check. <laughs> Check out. Can we call them up? Nay, uh, Philippines. Hey, Philippines. How you guys I doing? mean, it's not like they're doing anything. Uh, hello, uh, no, this you've, you've reached Mr. Philip Bean. I'm sorry, this is not this is not the Philippines. Stop calling me. You know, I this this is totally unrelated, but I I wonder what the numbers are like for um apps that are like social meetup apps. And like, uh, dating apps. I'm sure Tinder is like super, like super down or people are like getting together in like hazard suits with just holes cut out. Because it's gotta be a terrible time for meeting strangers. Like, uh, yeah, strangers. Potentially, danger. potentially getting coughed on. Probably, probably good by strangers. It, I mean, the, probably the, or, uh, this, I think sexy part of the industry. hope of what you want out of that Tinder date is gonna involve way worse than coughing. Yeah. The second, <laughs> the sexting industry has never been better, I'm sure. Yeah, right? Phone, um, right? The phone, uh, but, phone sex. So, along these same lines though, uh, another thing, if we can, uh, shift away from Trump, cause I think, Really, all we're talking about is Trump is bad. We all know Trump is bad. Well, let's go ahead and if, leave it there. But now he's bad think, and endangering human, uh, like American lives. Listen, all right. Here's the thing. Before we do move off of that, we can talk all day about the lying and things like that. But the fact of the matter is that if that those people who already were were buying his what he's shoveling right. are still buying it. So it's just not. It's falling on deaf ears, right? And, but, but there those have people, been those people, it's not falling on deaf ears, it's falling on full open ears who are going to do things that endanger them and their families. It's falling on the, the people who will believe this stuff are his supporters and he's putting them in danger. Okay. There has been a national emergency declared. That yes. is a positive. Yeah, and, They've, reversal of direction. Absolutely. So I, I wonder, don't want to not give credit where it's absolutely. due. And, well, he gets no credit. No credit to be had. He, like, he is now, like, back to, like, a base level, human being level okayness. Well, so, he gets okay. I want to give okayness to him. But, I will say, he, they've gotten significantly better over the last four or five days. Go. So, what I was kind of trying to get at, though, was there have been actual actions or, or, um, moves taken by the administration that have made this problem a lot worse. For instance... Well, definitely. Uh, and, and we'll need to fact-check some names here, but he fired 
the head of the CDC or of the outbreak. Um, or no, he he eliminated that whole. Department. There, there was in twenty a, in twenty eighteen. Um, there was the CDC had an infectious disease yes. disease council that he got rid of. That's the right. other problematic thing is he removed funding for a he removed eighty percent of the funding for a uh, part of the CDC that fought diseases like this abroad. Mm-hmm. So that way they wouldn't get to the United yeah. States in the first place. So this is going Those way back. both happened two years ago. Clearly, like, these are preventative measures. Of course you're not supposed to think you need them because that's what they're there for. But he was told many times but during that time that he, you were, were going to need these at some point yeah. and ignored it. Um, there, and then since the coronavirus outbreak, there have been a- active decisions and we brought up the, uh, the Princess Cruise Liner that he wouldn't mm-hmm. let dock. And the reason he didn't want to let it dock and delayed that was because he didn't want the numbers of people testing positive for the virus on, in the United States to go up. He was trying to protect his image at the expense of those people's lives. And when he did let it eventually. dock, when he did let it dock, it docked at a naval base where yeah. the naval base had no quarantine equipment at all. None of them wore masks. Just everybody was offloaded. And they think that that is one of the places where some of these community spreading, but because we're not testing, came from in the first place. Well, and speaking of, of the testing, there's been a... Now, it's hard to really say whether it's a lack of effort or if it's an active tr- attempt to to reduce the, the amount of testing being done in the country. But... I think we, did we cite it in the recording or did we cite it before we started? I forget. But some, something along the lines of, uh, this is maybe a week ago, there had been about 6,000 Americans tested. Meanwhile, in South Korea, they're testing 10,000 people every day. I think we yeah. did actually say yeah, that. Yeah, we did that in, in there the, earlier. In the podcast. So, um, and I'm not sure where the numbers are now. Though. But like, let's also consider the fact that our population is how many times larger than South Korea's? Well, scientists you know? here in Ohio guess that, and this is of three, four days ago, that we have 100,000 people just using math and statistics, 100,000 people walking around not knowing that they're infected. Mm-hmm. And if you have 100,000 people, that's basically the state. I, I want to point out something real quick about exponential curves. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. if today there is, like, Kids, if you wanted to know why this stuff was important in 10th grade math, Pat's about to explain it to you. <laughs> so a quick word about exponential growth. So if you had a disease in your country and you knew that on the 31st it would reach a 100% infection rate, the the number of people that are affected is doubled each day. So you could work backwards and, you know, on the 31st, it's 100, and on the 30th, it's 50. What percentage do you think you need on the first day to reach 100% by the end of the month? So if I can just reframe this a little bit, because yeah. I think it's it, it's really interesting, but for me, it's helpful to talk about money. Because everybody likes money. Sure. Um, so the way I've heard this framed in the past is, let's say on day one, I'm going to give you a penny. I'm going to give you the option. I'll mm-hmm. give you $100,000 or I'm going to give you a penny on day one. And on the second day, I'm going to give you two pennies. On the third day, I'm going to give you four pennies. And we're going to continue like that where I double the number of pennies every day for a month until on the 31st day, you get whatever you got the entire month. Right. I, I've heard this framed. Uh, it's There's an ancient... 
uh, Chinese problem with an emperor and a chessboard. They put rice on the chessboard. But yeah, mm-hmm. the same same thing. I'm just same saying, principle. if I have my choice between money and rice, I would money, take money. You buy rice. But if I'm starving, I would probably want the rice. But if I have the money, I can buy rice. I'm sticking with money. So, anyway. money. so what's the but, answer? So Andy has done the math. Yeah, so... Um, for the math nerds out there, this is, you know, we talked, you talked about exponential growth in, in, in 10th grade algebra. If you get to, wait, wait, a little bit of statistics, this gives me an idea idea for a new stinger sound. Andy, math magician. Nice. So, um, math magician. No, I like this. This is another concept that you may recall from, from algebra. Andrew! The Math Magician. Um, and definitely those of you who went on to take any statistics or calculus courses, you would have dealt with uh, the summation a lot. It's a sigma, uh, the Greek letter sigma in use. And so basically what we're doing is we're adding the, all these these numbers up. 0.01 plus 0.02 plus 0.04 plus 0.08 plus 0.16, right? On and on and on. And in the end, so the, the, the question is, do you want the $100,000 or do you want this sum total? So if you took the hundred thousand dollars, right? You want the sum total. You super want the sum total, which is two million one hundred and forty-seven thousand. Wait, wait, no, I'm sorry. There's no commas on here. Twenty-one million four hundred and seventy-four thousand eight hundred and thirty-six dollars and forty-seven cents. Now, I'm gonna, now I'm going to have to make a second stinger. Andy, math magician? Question mark. So the, the end no of the, to separate the, the end of the Chinese story is that um, the emperor runs out of rice in China to give to the peasant, and they have to eat bats, and that's how we got in this problem in the first place. Well, no, so, he has to like level with him because he's like, "There's not enough rice." <laughs> so <laughs> there's not enough rice to give you. I'm sorry. The reason Pat brings up this this problem of exponential growth is you've got if someone is isn't infected with the coronavirus. And especially if that person doesn't know that they're infected, they come into contact with, what would you say, maybe 20 people a day, depending on how social they are. Yeah, that seems... If you take it as an average. Well, let's just say that one-tenth of those people you come into contact with a day then catch it from you. So you give it's it to 10%. two people, and they so give it to two, two people, people yeah. and they give it to two people. On and on and on until the entire world blows up and we all die. Oh. So, okay, I want to I want to move on a little bit. It's so there is, I guess, around the same time, around the same thing. I feel like a lot of people have been doing the wrong thing on both ends. There are people who have been acting like the sky is going to fall. And there are people who are saying, oh, it's not a big deal. Like, I can't tell you how many conservative memes I've seen that say, like, America is losing his mind because of a disease with a 97% survival rating. Well, That's bad. Yeah, first, <laughs> of all, bad. first of all, 3% of 311 million people is, what, about 300, 3 million? No, so, 9 million. But, but anyway, no, 9 that, million but those memes, those memes are either made in bad faith or by dumb people. I've also seen, like, it's it's just a flu. Which like, is very much not, like, yeah. well, it's similar to a flu in that they're both, like... Coughing is the only symptom that, they're both that it shares with uh, Right, and they're, and they're both, like, have to do with breathing and lungs, and it's fine. But they're they're genetically related. 
but it's not the same thing. And I think it's vitally important when you're talking about diseases like this that every piece of information you give is exactly correct. I don't want you to be adjacent to the truth. I don't want you to say it's like this other thing. I want you to tell me exactly what it is. You have the people trying to diminish it on one side, and then you have people trying to blow it up on the other side like it's the worst thing that's ever happened. And it's bad, but it's totally manageable if everybody gets on board. Yeah. But everybody so, needs to get on board. Should we talk through the symptoms of coronavirus and compared to, say, the flu and the cold? It's an upper respiratory infection. So with a normal flu, you might have, like, uh, you know, vomiting, sickness of stomach, diarrhea. The COVID-19 is pretty much exclusively a respiratory infection. So what you're going to experience is a bad cough, runny nose, um, a, a dry, raspy cough, maybe uh, potentially trouble breathing, pneumonia-like symptoms. So it's really important that if you get sick, I mean, I don't think anybody is uh, going to be surprised by this. I think this is pretty well known. But if you get sick and you are having trouble breathing, it's extremely important that you get to a hospital. So it's, yeah, it's important you need to, Call your doctor first is what they're suggesting. Don't r- don't right. rush off to the hospital. Call and say these are my symptoms. What should I do? Right. Um. And and really, so the big symptoms. There's really only three major symptoms for this coronavirus. It's pretty much limited to fever, cough, and some trouble breathing. Right. Um. So if you've got some other symptoms, for instance, if you, if you're, if you're ha- experiencing a lot of body aches, muscle aches, along with the cough and fever, you probably have the flu. Chills and runny nose, you probably have the flu. Right. Um, if, if you've got, if your throat is sore or if your, um, your, your, your sinuses are going haywire, either congested or runny, uh, that, that's probably a cold. That's probably not coronavirus. Um, so you just kind of, kind of know the difference. They're all very similar and it's pretty easy to mistake one for the other. So you have to be really thoughtful about going to the ER because what's one of the biggest problems that, uh, one of the biggest strains on our healthcare system is people flooding the ER, uh, and, and this is all about uh, flattening the curve, curve, right? Are you, are you possibly suggesting that people self-diagnose and decide whether they have the coronavirus well, or not to based a, on the information that you just gave them? To a certain extent, you have to because the the self-diagnosis comes in, do I need to go? Because this is different from anything else. Right. The self-diagnosis comes not from do I have the, di- the do I have COVID-19 or not? It comes from do I need to see a medical professional or not? Yeah. So, no, I'm not suggesting self-diagnosing because I would never, you, you should, you should not be considering that a diagnosis. But I do think it's prudent for people to make educated decisions about going to an ER. And this is all about yeah. not overwhelming the healthcare system. And this right. is why you call before you go mm-hmm. because they can listen to your symptoms. They can ask you questions over the phone, and then they can tell you, you need to get tested, and we need to get you here. Or they can say, how old are you, 80? 
get in here right now. So there is something cool that's going on. University Hospital and Cleveland Clinic are not the best of buddies. You know, they're kind of rivals. But they are getting together and... Uh, creating a drive-through. They're doing what South a drive through, is doing. A drive-through testing it's facility. Fantastic, yeah. Um, with their shared resources. So huge shout out to them. For... And the weird thing is, like people may not know this about Cleveland. If you don't live here, Cleveland has some of the best hospitals in the world. Mm-hmm. The Cleveland's pretty well known. The uh, well, the Cleveland Clinic is world renowned. Right. And uh, it's one of those things where we don't assume that our listeners know, just just because we know. But university hospitals, although perhaps not with the same worldwide renown, they, is well, they're in direct they're, competition, and they're Living incredible. Clinic is constantly like, um, how do you say? They're aware of the presence of the UH here. Exactly, in the U university hospitals are incredible because they have to be because their their competition is the Cleveland Clinic. Yeah, and who's going to go? The University Hospital, if they have the option of the Cleveland Clinic, and they they're not fantastic. So, well, mostly, it, but healthcare is huge to our uh, economy here. Yeah, and I, I mostly want to congratulate them for um, you know sharing resources and uh, putting aside any kind of rivalry for uh, a greater need. Absolutely, the public right. has for sure because it's not about money right now. So, speaking of, can we just take a moment to kind of laugh about the um how quickly the Republicans started proposing universal health care and universal basic incomes and things like that. Is that a thing that happened? Uh, <laughs> Romney yeah. Romney today said we should give every American a thousand dollars. And literally look, said today we should give every American a thousand dollars to help them through this. Oddly enough, I mean, actually that's cool. Romney Yang it's actually out there. not a great idea. Um so as a stimulus here so it's it's not gonna like harm the economy. But it's way too isolated. It's an, it's it's a one-time shock right. to the economy. It doesn't have a lasting effect to just dish out to write a check to everybody. I'm not, and I'm not saying don't do it, but we need to understand that that is a very temporary, very minor relief. One so often, I think when we have these conversations, is about what's best for the economy. Yeah. I could give two what's best for the economy right now. What I care about is what's going to get people through to their next paycheck when they're able to pay their mortgage and cover childcare and eat well, and things like that because there are a number of people in my position where I I make money based on people wanting to go out and have a good time. And that's done for now. Well, so here's the thing. I, I think there is no doubt that there are immediate needs that need to be met. Right. Um, and I'm not arguing that at and all. And I think, and I will say, I think you I, make a good point that a thousand dollars in like everybody's bank account is not necessarily the best way to meet all those needs. It helps. It helps. And I, and I, and I want to be very clear that I am not here saying don't do that. Mm-hmm. What I am saying though is if you do, if you do take your eye off of the overall health of the economy in, and just Focus solely on what's directly in front of you. The risk is that once you get through the coronavirus stuff, the economy will not be, will leave a lot of people in that same jobless position in that, 
for a much longer period of time. So you've got to have your eye on what happens after we recover from this. And this is something that you mentioned earlier on our chat. Mm -hmm. Um, But when this is all said and done, and and we were just listening, before you got here, we were listening to the NPR update, and they were saying that it could be a year to to 18 months before a uh, a, a virus (laughs) vaccine is readily available to the public. So... After all that, right, if, if businesses find out, hey, for a whole year, year and a half, they're working remotely, they find out that they're able to do that. They find ways to automate things so that people don't have to do certain jobs. Like, the state of the economy when we're out of this is, we have no idea what it's going to look like. This could change the entire face of how the... Not just America's the US, economy, but the, world, but the, the world's world economy. economy. Exactly. The way labor markets are distributed, the way all these things are set up. Or it, it also could not change hardly at all. It could no, just right, well, bounce right back to where like, we were. But we're all, but we don't know. we're all guessing here. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows what's going to happen. But this is, and I've told you guys about this before, automation is my nightmare. Automation is oh, my automa- nightmare. Automation is sweet. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of automation. Awesome. And that's fine as long as you think billionaires are good guys who are going to pass down the the savings to the rest of us. But there's no, there's nothing saying that that's going to happen. Hold up, though, because when did I say anything about billionaires? I said oh. automation is great. No, what I what who I'm saying owns is, the automation and stuff like that is a separate discussion. Now we could not. No, we, it has. We could to get be, robot billionaires, and we could just replace all the billionaires. I'm with also robots. fine with that. Um, like, but, I'm saying that. But I, th- one comes no hand in hand with the other. You, automation is scary because of billionaires. Because of the ultra wealthy are the ones who will own these robots, these robots, and we're doing nothing to talk about it. We're, we're. Well, Andrew Yang talked about it. Andrew Yang talked about automation, and that's fantastic. I love me some Andrew Yang. We all loved Andrew Yang. Yeah. We Although did. he did endorse Biden, so that's not great. But I still love him. I get it. I'm though. still, I'm I mean, still Yang. Listen, Bernie just does Ride or die, Yang he can to turn me off. Why does it feel like Bernie's actively trying to dissuade anyone who wasn't already a diehard supporter? We should talk about that, but not right now. Oh, I don't think. right. Um, I don't know why. Is we should that? do an episode. <laughs> That's a weird we, should, we, we were going to do originally this episode today was going to be yeah. about the Biden Bernie debate, and I think there's things to talk about that, yeah. but. Coronavirus is affecting everybody. Like this is what the campaign is going to. I mean, I guess I'm this is what the campaign is going to be about. In in some weird way, like the streets aren't abandoned yet. There are still people out and doing their daily business, you know, like normal. Right. In in some ways, I think the worst has not hit yet. It absolutely oh, has ab- not. You're absolutely right about that. I will say it has. Caitlin and I both have had were out of jobs for a while there, and Caitlin had just gotten a job and had spent a week working at Panini's Bar and Grill. I probably shouldn't say the name, but whatever. It's a little local restaurant chain. Guess where she's not working <laughs> as of nine o'clock yesterday? Right, right, sure. So yeah, we're a little bit salty. Other than that, though, I'm pretty much like I'm washing my hands more. A thousand dollars in your is, pocket as a stimulus would be just fine. A thousand dollars in your pocket as a stimulus would be like, all right, well, I can. I think for but again, all of us, <laughs> yeah, again, you know, like for everybody, I'm not in this against room. that. But the problem, so for instance, is in the comparison, right? A thousand dollars stimulus 
is something that benefits people until it's gone, until it's spent, and then it's done. It has right. no reverberating effect. Now, on, on the other hand, um, something like tax waivers, like you're not going to pay taxes for these six months, January through whatever, the, June, um, for so, something like that. Like, if you, you're not and, getting those taken out of your paycheck, you're him, getting that money on an ongoing basis. And to give him that credit, because I so rarely, because uh, I so rarely get to give Trump credit. Don't praise those tax cuts because they are not actually good. The payroll cuts? The payroll cuts. They can go to hell. No, those are the exact wrong types of tax cuts to be making. The payroll cuts, huh. All right, so the, here's the big, big, there's deep, a lot of breath, big problems with Deep this. breath, in, in. He makes me oh, so angry. This is why I didn't want to do this, because he makes me so angry. So the payroll <laughs> tax wait, cuts. Before you start talking again, I do want to say that Andy had told us earlier before we started recording, I'm not going to have anything to talk about. I don't <laughs> no. know what's going to happen. That's not, that's not what, I, well, that's not exactly what I said. I said. What I said, and I still stand by this, I have absolutely no authority on which to speak about this absolutely. stuff. I am not a medical professional in any way, shape, or form. I failed college biology once. I retook it and passed it, though. Dad, see? For the record. There's a little but bit of that credit. was also, like, a bunch of years ago. I think um, that's also true of everything we talk about. We're so, not credible to talk about anything. That's the thing. So, so with something but like... Anyway, you but anyway, my big problem with, the, with in this they, conversation is, I don't know, I want people to be listening to their doctors. I don't want, right. I don't think it makes sense for people to be listening to us because we know jack shit about this. For what it's, for what it's worth, dear <laughs> listener, I'm not suggesting this be the only thing you listen to. Please don't let this be the like, only thing you listen to. We're I had a, bunch a doctor, of jackasses. I had a doctor's uh, appointment today, but I skipped it so I could listen to my favorite right. podcast. Which we appreciate on one level, but on another level, go talk to your doctor. They said self-diagnosis is the way to go. Oh, yeah. So, at any rate. Payroll taxes. So, payroll taxes. Here's the problem with payroll taxes. The people who get, so payroll taxes is, uh, cutting payroll tax is a regressive reform in that the largest benefits go to the people who make the largest amount of money. Not really super helpful for those of us down here on the ground, right? The people who actually need it. The, those people who are getting the big tax cuts and benefits from the, the payroll tax cuts are the people who don't really need it because they can afford their health care, really nice health care. Right, and right. because they're they're fundamentally unethical in just the way they live and how much money they have. Disagree, but um, mm. but they don't need the the tax cut in order to stay healthy. Whereas those of us who say, all right, so the people that the the tax cuts don't affect at all, unemployed people mm-hmm. who super super need it, gig workers, people in the gig economy. I raise my hand, everybody. Yes, that's me. Um. Uber drivers, musicians, Airbnb um, people, consul- independent consultants. Yeah, actually, anyone Airbnb people. Anyone who's a private contractor. Anyone who's a private contractor. Are you a pri- private contractor? I work for one. Yeah. So you're not going to get shit from it. Yeah. Oh, and, good. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so these are the people who actually need it, but they're the ones who aren't going to be getting it. So it's very bad. I. It, it's I'm all like, about it. yeah, you did something, and it was exactly the wrong guy thing to do, you jackhole. But there are also oh. reports that he was thinking of no matter what, and this is when we had 15 cases and he didn't right. think it was going to be anything, that he was going to go ahead and propose it and leave it in effect for the rest of the year just past election day, so that way people would be seeing, hey, I got more money in my check, I'm going to go ahead and 
vote for the bad orange man. He's have not you, have you seen the Orange Man bad memes, the NPC memes? Oh, man. Yes. oh they're pretty great. They're so not though the, because the left can't meme. The right can meme. The the right right. It's actually is the left just so meme. delusional that they think that that sort of thing is like something to joke about. Right. What that Orange Man Orange bad? Man bad? Yeah, you're there. What they what they do is completely trivialize the idea that. Oh, if that anyone if bad. anyone criticizes him, oh, they're just being a liberal reactionary. Right. And like, dude, what's what's funny is that it gets, the other one's getting fucked what's, by him. What's funny is that it elicits a strong emotional response. His orange, which is I can see, and ours. <laughs> this is the kind of stuff you realize that I have to bleep out later. <laughs> you, Andy, you swear. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, Andy swears like three times more than the both of us combined. You're fucking welcome. I've, I've <laughs> sworn a couple of times like in response to pe- other people swearing. I, I find I swear, I, I, I swear less on the podcast because like, oh, I'm going to have to bleep that out later. I actually do try not to for a while. And so, then you get going about like tax okay, cuts. But here's, here's what I want to talk about though. All this stuff. So you take universal basic income. Uh, you take, uh, universal healthcare. You take, uh, additional childcare support hey, for working families. Aren't those things socialism? No, those are things that progressive people have been pushing for for quite a while. So socialism. And, and no, still no. We can go ahead and have a, a socialism, uh, talk. But this, this is like the problem. Socialism. This is the problem with saying free healthcare. <laughs> this is, one thing that the right has always been good at is Framing an argument simply in bad in bad faith, but framing it simply like death panels or death tax. They like they go ahead and they like try and come up with a. Mm -hmm. It's called branding, right? Yeah. So and they're way better at it than liberals are. But the thing is, it wouldn't be free healthcare. It wouldn't be free UBI. It wouldn't be free childcare. It wouldn't be free college. It would be a more efficient use of the money that we already pay for these things. It a, would be a great example of branding would be like the Patriot Act. Yes. And that was very problematic back in the day and just, still is. That is, that is just got passed still bipartisan, got renewed, yeah. renewed by a bipartisan vote. So the thing, thing is, all these things that progressives have been pushing for for years would all make this situation better. Every single one of them. You wouldn't. If, you wouldn't oppose a patriot act that would make you a not patriot, a non-patriot. Yes. Yeah. I'm not actually talking patriot about act. the patriot act. Though <laughs> we talked about the patriot act, but that's not this episode. Yes, yeah, it's, yeah, it's kind of a little. It's bit a of different, different episode. Subject. What I'm talking about is. Don't worry, NSA. We'll get to you. Progressive ideas would help this situation when you have a country that's based on making rich people richer, being okay with giving people starvation wages and not supporting the working class, you end up in a situation like this where people are literally not able to take care of themselves because they don't make enough money, they don't have enough savings. It's real bad. It's very, very bad. So, so this is, this is all our, because these are our really chickens, topic, these are but... chickens coming home to roost that we've been, we've been feeding these chickens for decades. For 50, 60 years, we've been feeding these chickens. If, if, if I'm, if I'm well, doing that, yeah. they were already. Um, I'm Nathan. I don't want to talk about Trump for more than 10 minutes. I'm not talking about Trump. No. Fair enough. 
This is not. I didn't say the word. Tra- I mean, this is. I said two minutes before, and we definitely we went past that. But I will say, Andy talked for a lot of that time about Trump. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Well, but what I am saying, and there's a. <laughs> we have been building this country and the way capitalism works for decades. And when we come up with a situation like this that we haven't dealt with for what, a hundred years? Uh, 1918, yeah. So we haven't dealt with this in a hundred years. Suddenly it turns out, oh, not giving people enough money to live is probably not a good way to run a country. Well, I don't know that the Spanish flu had as much to do with not giving people resources. Maybe. I don't, but I'm not talking about that. What I'm saying is we haven't had to deal with this for a hundred years. So we haven't had to think about it in terms of, this is arguably not in terms of life lost yet or anything like that, but this is arguably one of the things that has affected the most Americans since say, definitely since World War II. Can we agree on that? Like, I think the last time Americans had skin in the game was World War II when you had a rationing, when you had to go ahead and go around collecting metal to help the war effort. We haven't had to have skin in the game for decades, and now everybody does. If I'm we're not pull really this. on that level. I, I I don't see it on that level. Uh, not not at all yet. I mean, it, it maybe has that potential, but it, it, it I don't. I'm but the fact that you have to think about it at all. I'm not going there. To go back to World War II, that means that you're you're skipping there. over a lot of important events. I, like I I don't think it's. I don't think it's a bigger impact on Americans than 9-11 yet. Yeah, I think... No, what did we... What did we have to do? I I think... I think go back 10 years and you're comfortable, but, like... No, I I think... I'm not going... So, I have to... I'm not... You're talking about the numbers of people dying? No. What I'm talking about is after the... So, after the podcast is over, you guys want to go out and get a drink? You want to go hit a restaurant after we're done here? No. What I'm saying is this affects... This affects us in a different way... Than anything has, whether you want to have skin in the game or not, you do. We are forced to have skin in the game. I will not be able to vote tomorrow in person because oh, I'm gonna. no, you won't because they're closing they're closing it down and they're extending out. But as I, as of the I, as of they the were building, extending, I didn't hear that they were closing as, the polls. As of the time of this podcast came out, it's not for sure yet, but it looks like it's going to happen. Mike Dewine came out and tweeted. We can't go through with in-person voting for the same reason why we can't have hmm. our restaurants open and things like that uh, because you have a bunch of people together. What he wants to do is he wants to reschedule for June 2nd, and he wants to extend out mail-in ballots until then. It sounds like a Republican scam to just keep Trump in office. That could be it. But the thing is... It's a Republican hoax. But the thing is... We have skin in the game. You may not want to have skin in the game, but we do in a different way. Because 9-11, I'd go out and have a beer on 9-11. Okay. I could go out, like, I, we were all glued to the TV. But if I wanted to go out and just, like, play video games that day, there's nothing saying that I couldn't right. do anything on 9-12. Well, so, I mean, that is to a little bit um diminish the impact that it had on our national consciousness. The impact that we've had from the coronavirus on our national consciousness hasn't hit yet. Agreed. Like, that's... And and to compare it to 9-11 is not even really a close comparison. I'm not not comparing... Don't get me wrong. I'm not comparing it to the emotional impact of 9-11 in any way, shape, or form. I'm not taking anything away from that event. 
I lived in Boston, where the planes took off from. I was fully enveloped in 9-11 when it happened. I totally understand, and people did treat each other different the next day. But so the thing is... in the dining room? That is that is definitely when I lived in the dining room, yes. <laughs> I, uh, we'll, we'll have to tell that story on the podcast sometime. Um, but my point is... If you yep. didn't, if you didn't want to be involved, you didn't have to be. You'd still go out and do the same things you were going to do otherwise. In World War II, there are things you had to do as an American. There are things that okay. you had to get involved in. When you drive alone, you drive with Hitler. That's have you that's, seen? Have you seen yes, those? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I get, I, I get your point. Do you I understand? Like saying. we, we have all right. Fine. We have skin in the game in a different way than we have can, in my lifetime. Can you expand on what that phrase means? Skin, skin in, the in the game means that, again, in this case, whether you want to or not, we are not going to be able to go to a restaurant. There are things that are affected in our lives, physical things that we may want to do that we can't do because of this situation. Could could you break down that phrase, though, more specifically? <laughs> like the you etymology know, of I, it? I like, don't know what the etymology of skin in the game is. Fact check. The origin of the phrase skin in the game comes from derby races. The owners of the horse race have, quote, skin in, quote, the game. As an owner, they have the most writing on the outcome of the derby event. It has commonly been attributed to Warren Buffett, referring to his own investment in his initial fund. Mini fact check. Okay. Well, Stand by. I mean, I'm guessing you play hard and scrape your knee what or you, something. What, what do you mean when you say it? Like you, you I mean you're, that you're saying that. I mean, there, for a the lot of stakes are higher. So take t- take the that, uh, we, that we have a stake in it. Take the Iraq War for example. Okay. You could have been an American, not listened to a thing about the Iraq War. It did not affect your life in any way, shape, or form if you did not want it to, unless you had. Family or friends that maybe died, but there weren't that many people in America who died from that war. There were hundreds of thousands of people who died overseas from that war. That's why George W. Bush is a war criminal. I just want to say that again. Mm-hmm. But um, we we're not we they're not going to have that argument with you on on, on the coronavirus episode. That's fine. I, I'm yeah. not. I know I, you love throwing your jabs in there, oh, yeah. but like we're just. We just well, have to like you, sigh and ignore you, it. What was the one before it that billionaires are inherently yeah. bad people? Oh yeah. no, no, no. Un, un, uh, they live in an unethical way. Sure, yeah. whatever. No, and you don't have to. We're, the thing is, we're we're, we're, we're all over these at some point. We're all on the same page here, guys. You don't have to disagree with me because we're all on the same page. They're, we're most definitely. They're not, definitely. They're definitely, definitely normal things that I'm saying. Right now. So anyway, but what I'm saying is, it affects our lives. In it a does. different way. It doesn't In a different lives. way than anything has in my lifetime. Yeah, it's pretty shitty. I, I mean, like, it has the potential to kind of just wash over the country. Everybody gets a little sick for a while. A few old people die. And that could be the end of it. And I think and if it you're. Could just kind of disappear with pretty few minimal. old people die. That was with, very with, cavalier. Well, so way to put. Because the loss of human life. We know that there is going to be people. People are going to die. We know this. This is going I think to happen. It's fair. There's just there's, we're already. You here, really right? sound like you're so diminishing it. Though. Well, I don't. I think. What do, I, what do you want me to say? I I mourn each and every single one of them. I'm going to read off a list with a candlelight vigil every night. Yeah, probably. I don't know. It's not like I'm going to be missing any birthday checks. So here's the thing: if you're wow. if you're a sociopath, <laughs> if you're a sociopath. <laughs> 
and you don't care about anyone who's young, old, or has a compromised immune system, you get to live your life whatever the way you want. Oh, no, young people are fine. <clears throat> there there haven't been any, like, real uh, cases of Like people, children? Uh, of people under 18. It's, yeah. It basically uh, is not a... Like, okay, you so have no you can, fatalities so if you under 18. You can, I'm sorry. You, you can, can don't get sick without showing symptoms. If you don't care... Let's let's put this in a way that I think uh, our uh, listening audience can understand. If you don't care about Betty White, you go ahead and live your life however Aww. you want. If you hate Betty White, American national treasure Betty White, then you go ahead and live your life however you want, you sociopath. But well, the thing is, eighty percent likely 80, to come into contact with Betty White. You don't know that. You don't know that. Eighty percent. I'm going to play the odds on that one. 80% of people, uh, if I remember correctly, won't show symptoms. So you just get to go go around doing whatever you're doing. And maybe you have it and maybe you're a carrier, but it doesn't matter to you. Mm-hmm. If you don't care about anybody who is older, because I think I mentioned earlier, 80-plus-year-olds have a 22% fatality rate. That is incredibly significant. I think 70-plus is somewhere around 10 or 12. It's big. Which is it gets, huge as well. Higher and higher, the yeah. older you get. Uh, no, I was a little, uh, you know, but morbidly brazen earlier. I'm, I'm, I'm joking. Right. I don't want old people to die. But what I, my, my point was <laughs> simply that right, I can definitely like I can the, I can splice that if you want. So it just says I want old people to die. Oh, jeez. Please don't. Can you can you just say <laughs> can you just say my name is Andy and and then I'll just finish it from there. Are you gonna make me a campaign slogan? That'll that'll <laughs> that'll be that'll go ahead and be our stinger at the oh end of the episode. God. Can I can I pivot to you know our modern world? We have like what really close to eight billion people now. We have so much air travel, so many people that are jet setting and moving between countries. Uh, we have interconnected economies. We have economies that are completely dependent on one another. We get all of our bananas from South America, and we get all of our, you know, different kinds of produce from mm-hmm. different places. I get my bananas from Finland. I get my bananas from the grocery store. In any case. I don't know how you guys get there, because that seems really inconvenient. Well, to, yeah, to a certain extent, we... Air travel's restricted. We, we are uniquely vulnerable to this kind of infectious disease. Yeah. In... In ways that we, maybe we weren't vaccinated, you know, for events like the, you know, the, the Black Plague and uh, Bubonic Plague and different mm-hmm. events like that, uh, Spanish flu. We weren't vaccinated, so we were more vulnerable in that way. But we also didn't have the population density, the numbers, the interconnectedness, the amount of international travel. Like, there are a lot of vulnerabilities that I think... Even just a month ago, people weren't talking about or weren't realizing that we had. Well, and thank goodness for that, uh, for the travel bans and restrictions that still allow everyone who's already abroad to return home to their country and infect people back home. And that still lets all the trade goods through I read so a, that you can go buy things that'll get you sick. Well, I read you a tweet from a reporter saying, uh, just traveled back to uh, LaGuardia in New York uh, from Paris. Wasn't checked. Wasn't asked a single question. Just walked on through. Mm-hmm. Didn't so go through I, customs like normal customs. Yeah, but I think it, the I believe the idea was he went through normal customs and n- in no like way, normal. shape, or form 
was the coronavirus covered during those customs? Nobody. Well, he also probably didn't like walk through coughing. So it doesn't, what? It doesn't matter. You're what coming are you into just country. saying that eighty percent of the people walking around are going to have it but not show symptoms? So that's the thing. Like, like if you're coming, it, if you're coming back in, you should be quarantined uh, until you can be tested. Yet another bullshit measure taken, and this has been taken by world leaders around around the world. Uh, this is taken by a bunch leaders. of world leaders, not just Trump, right? This is not just a Trump thing. The EU is locking down its borders, except for people to return home and trade. It's like, what's the freaking point? Well, I don't think you're going to get it. Really I don't think you're going to get it from trade goods. Yeah, because it only lives on certain services. I think it's 72 hours on stainless steel. I haven't looked up yeah, the exact. This is you, the kind of stuff that or, I don't know. You really need, stuff, you really need like, person-to-person saliva contact. Now, you can get that from a sneeze. You can get that from a cough. Making but out? Generally, from uh, like ordering a package that's from China, that's not really going to put you at risk. Now, from what I do understand, eating ass is okay, though. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'll have to check with the CDC on that. So, are, are we are we saying it's okay? Are we saying it's safe? Or are we saying it's probably not going to give you coronavirus? I'm not. It, it might not give you coronavirus. <laughs> hey, so, I'm not going to question anybody's kink. At any rate, it might not give the you coronavirus, coronavirus, ladies and gentlemen. So, welcome to moving, your new future. <laughs> moving on, I think the next is- interesting thing... There are a bunch of companies that are having their uh, workers work from home now. That's great, and I think, unless you work physical labor, in which case, good luck. Right, but well, so the the thing I those are just shut down. Yes, sure. But the thing I wanted to talk about is what do you get? What do you bet that companies going to realize? Oh, we can keep on doing this. And not have as much physical space that we need to pay for. We can go ahead and save money and leave people working at home. That doesn't sound terrible. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I think it's probably a good thing. I think it's... Work in pajamas? Yeah. So I think you're absolutely right. I think that this can... This could... When 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 the dust settles on the the actual uh, epidemic itself. Right. I think that there are tremendous opportunities opened up for... Businesses as entities, but also for the market as a whole to allow people to work, um, remotely. Right. And that opens up a lot of opportunities for job market expansion. Um, it opens up a lot of stuff on the tech side. For instance, um, a, the ability to secure your connection from home to work on a secure connection. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, what do you call that? Uh, cybersecurity, Encryp- encryption, encryption, and cybersecurity right. stuff. It, that that game should we should see that boom a bit. Absolutely. Um, we're also gonna see, <clears throat> I think, um, I think we're gonna see a lot of education make a big shift towards the distance learning. Oh I think yeah, colleges are gonna realize they don't have to have a physical campus. They don't have to have dorms. They don't have to serve food. The most prestigious, do... the most prestigious school in the world is gonna become University of Phoenix. Well, you know, <laughs> we've been we've been at the game for longer than anybody. Colleges have known that you're exactly right. Schools have known for a long time that they don't have to have those things. That they can run a good school and give people a good quality degree. Mm-hmm. Without those physical things. Now, a school like, say, 
Harvard or Yale, those Ivy Leagues that are very much built on their, or, or at least in a big way, mm-hmm. built on the their physical presence. Yeah, there's still probably going to be a market for that. But I think one of the beauties of this is getting a college degree can be a lot cheaper to obtain if you can do it online. If you do it through you, distance. You don't get individual attention in an online course. So I think you can still. I mean, I've taken some online It's going to be courses. different than normal. It's going to be an email. It's going to be, yeah. a, it's going to be like a video chat. You can set up with your time professor. for a video chat. Be, um, and not to mention, there's always, you know, if you need a little bit of additional help, there's always going to be local tutors and people who can help. Um, myself, for example. Well, uh, anyway, about encryption. Did but you yes. guys see that they proposed a bill that... Um, if it passes, all encryption will have to include a government backdoor to encryption. It's scary, isn't it? Oh it's awful. So, so not the, great. Part of the thing is, I'm not a huge fan of Apple in general, but one thing that Apple I... Who? One thing I love about Apple is when law enforcement comes to them and says, you need to unlock this device, they say, well, we can't. But also we could, but also we're not going to. Without because a they warrant, even, or will they do it even? They won't do it. They won't no even matter do what. It they, because they they built the encryption to the point where they're not able to break into it. They could potentially build build a backdoor in, but the thing is, once they built that backdoor, it's going to be there. It. It's going to be there whenever anybody, any law enforcement agency wants to break into any cell phone, and they think that's a slippery slope. Well, and I salute them for it. The, yeah, there there is. No uh, back door that you could build that law enforcement has access to that couldn't theoretically be used by someone else. I don't know. Uh, law enforcement, you have access to my back door. I just don't understand. No. Uh, I, uh, That's a butt joke. I hate you just let it go by. The government so much. <laughs> well, then why are you such a big government uh, blue demo lib? That's a good one. For those of you who can't see us, Pat is being very sarcastic with that. I'm super, very much not. And Andy just Andy just put on his "I love government" hat and is waving two miniature American flags. That 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 was actually true. Uh, And and support huge government interventions in things like natural selection, diseases killing people. So we should we should have a. we should have an episode about trusting government. Listen, but I'm I, afraid I we already so, had the conspiracy theory yeah. uh, episode last week, guys. So. I am Ugh. so against government, big government, that I actually have to really fight myself to keep from complaining about Mike DeWine locking the state down right now. Because I know that it's probably the right thing, but it really, really, really does not sit well with me to allow the government to dictate people's individual lives. If they want to go out and get sick and die of coronavirus, that should be their prerogative. No, no. And but, that's, but is, I, no, I know, I know, no. I, I understand. I, no, I, I, no. I, I do understand. I'm just saying that well, like, my a, initial reaction is like, how dare you? <laughs> and I, I totally understand that. And like, I think that's what we should, we should definitely have, because I think, this argument is going to be about personal freedoms, right? Right. I think for, for probably both of you, you tend to lean pretty like hard into personal freedoms. Yeah. Um, and I tend to be rational. Um, so. Yeah, okay. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Wow. That, was a, that was a totally. Framing. Un- that was totally an unfair dig. 
Damn. <laughs> what a f***ing d- <laughs> Again, I gotta, all people are gonna hear, what a bleep and bleep. Oh man, so we super need a soundboard so we can put the air horns in there. And like a toilet flush? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why? But, okay, so if I can have an adjacent conversation real quick, I think that would work if people weren't dumb. I think if, if you could trust people in general, it would work. But Sarah was on Facebook earlier, and somebody was complaining about how his daughter had taken the dog out for a walk. His daughter, 8, 10, 12 years old, out with the dog for a walk, and somebody came up running up to them and tried to spit on both of them. So That's pretty wild. So... That's not a normal person. That's no. a person who has mental issues, right? And she, like, she was able to get away and she wasn't spit on her anything. But the thing is, when you talk about government not locking stuff down, that guy exists. That guy is a guy who lives in your neighborhood or your society. And there are other people like that too. There, there was a story the other day about how a guy was going and coughing on every pe- person he could in bars. Because he wanted to spread the coronavirus. There is a weird thing that happens, and I think it's when, like, a population gets to a certain size. There's, like, a super small percentage of people that are just, like, loco. But, yeah. But on as you approach larger numbers, those locos emerge. And, uh, like, during the, <laughs> during the HIV crisis, which I guess you could say is still somewhat going on, but during the HIV crisis, there was a woman in Texas who, like, was charged with a crime... For intentionally infecting, and I think, uh, fact check me on this, but I think upwards of like 80 plus people. That oh, and it infected. wasn't just her. I mean, people still do it to this day. Like, in, it's intentionally. A yeah. And, and you can, you that's can, called attempted murder. Yeah, you can receive the death penalty for it. Cause you're attempting to murder people. Right. So, but I'm just saying, that's, that's always gonna be my thing about universal unbridled freedom is like, those people exist. Well, understand that at least now I'm, I don't speak for anyone else. Okay. <laughs> I much like the Lorax speak for the trees. There's, so there, here's the thing. Just to kind of frame my, yeah, my thoughts here properly because I don't want to be misunderstood, right? Um, I generally would call myself a libertarian with a small L. I really don't like ha- having anything, any affiliation with the Libertarian Party, however, because those are people who want extreme personal liberties but don't actually think about what that really means mm-hmm. in reality and in practice. And I, bef- even before any sort of libertarian stance or, or you know, liberal stance, classical liberal stance, or whatever you want to call it, right, before that, I'm a pragmatist. And what I would say is I, I, you know, I look at policy and I look at in terms of providing the largest number of freedoms for the largest number of people at the lowest cost to everyone else. That's utilitarian. Basically. Yeah. I mean, I, I, here's the thing. I'm boiling all this down. I'm <laughs> definitely, this is, this is all watered down stuff. But I want to say that because, um, I am the kind of libertarian who will openly advocate for for Medicare for all, or at least Medicare for all who want it. I was a big fan of Pete's Medicare plan. Mm. I am a strong advocate for the universal base income as a libertarian, utilitarian type policy. 
because I, because I think that that does provide the greatest amount of freedom for the greatest number of people at the lowest cost to everyone else, right? There are times in crisis and stuff when the safety, public safety, public health is get pushed up above the ability to just do right. whatever you want. And I'm 100%, I get that. I get it. it my, my knee-jerk reaction to that sort of a policy <laughs> is like, whoa there, big I, fella. <laughs> I think you framed it really well. I think you have, like, totally reasonable ideas of... I'm, I will say I'm really eager to have this conversation with both of you. I think this should be an episode soon, not just like one of those things like, we should have an episode yeah, about that. Right. Like, we should generally have an episode about that because I think... This is one of those things where I think you guys are going to change my mind in a bunch of ways. Because it's not something that I've really thought about too hard. As long as pragmatism is, like, baked into that, I think it totally makes sense. And this is, like, I think we all agree this was a pragmatic move. To to shut shut things down. It sucks. But... Yeah, I think... Um, I think it's a great idea. Here, I, I think it's... I'm not as nervous about the implications of, like, uh, big brother government. I'm not super really concerned about it, but... Oh, wait, can I really quick just bring in one thing that I love is, uh, has nothing to do with what you're saying, so remember what you're going to say. Okay, Uh, In Germany, the show Big Brother is on, it started in February, and they're literally not allowed to tell the contestants anything about what's going on. So you have these people living in a house, completely blocked off from society, who have no idea about the coronavirus. Caitlin and I love that show, by the way. And they're also... So the the German version is going to have this thing when people walk out there where they're going to be like, what the f***? Like, what's going on? Because they're all in quarantine oh right now God. with each other. One big house. Well, I suppose that they probably won't get it. Yeah. No, they're that's they're about as safe as you can be. Side. So that's... They're not, not interacted, interacting not with anybody but themselves. In that sense. Unless one of their family members contracted it, in which case I assume that they would pull that person aside and fill them in. And, I don't know. I don't know uh, what the rules are. At any rate. If that person died, probably, yeah. maybe. But anyway, so that thing I told you to remember what you're going to say, say it. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a dirty move. What? I told him to remember. Now I'm like, all on the But spot. then he now got I'm drawn famous. into your yeah. story yeah, and engaged with it head. and had other things to say. What? Big what? government locking down Mike DeWine. Yeah. Is it good or oh, bad? I, I guess Big so. Big brother. It definitely has a very overreaction vibe to it, but I think that that is appropriate. In an instance like this, in order to prevent the stuff, it requires overreaction. And so I think I, <laughs> I hope that it would. If you, if help you use the word everyone. "require," I don't think you can also use the word "overreaction." Well, it's what, just I, a, what I mean is a reaction. Um, is a reaction to that? If it no, I, I think of this Futurama response. quote that Bender Bender when he, the, he overclocks and he like becomes God or whatever. And uh-huh. there's there's this line in that episode: <laughs> When you do things right, people won't be sure you've done anything at all. <laughs> and that's what you're going for with this policy. Yeah. So you you really want it to feel like you are way overreacting because that's how you cut it off. Well, that's actually, actually a quote from God in the Futurama universe. To Bender. Oh, okay. I will I, also I, say I anyway, that there's the there's place. another like weirdly pre- there's another weirdly predictive uh, Futurama quote that I'm going to put in right here. However, in this reporter's opinion, gruesome death awaits us all. 
And now, with sports, here's SportsBot 5000. All sports canceled. <laughs> Pretty good. Pretty good. Although I have to say, like, I, I think that the proper measured reaction has to be somewhere in the middle between, oh my god, we're all going to die, or it's not going to be a big deal and it's Absolutely. just a flu. It's so hard that's to tell, the, it's so hard to tell people, act medium. Yeah, I mean, that's, that, there's no teeth to that <laughs> argument. Especially that, in this political climate. Right. That doesn't, uh, get very far, but that is the truth. Well, again, conservatives are, the president said it a while back and then he didn't say it again, but conservatives are still believing that it's a hoax. Like, have you ever met anybody who's died from coronavirus? What's no? It's the Democrats making what's, it up. What's what's the meaning of hoax in that context, though? Like, do you really mean that it is? Well, they just bandy that word around. It's that, in, that it's that it's actually not true. That I it's, think the that same it's not real, or that it's that right. it's being overblown. I think the same type of people who don't believe in the Holocaust would believe in this. It's that same level of... That's got to be a really low percentage of people. It's not, right? it's not a lot of people. Trumpism That's got to be a really small percentage. But there, I think there's those a large people are number also of people... on Facebook. Just like I, think, I think the percentage of people that believe that the coronavirus is a hoax would be much larger. I, I, I hope that's true. Uh, why don't we... I think that's a good place to move into... Wrap it up. Now let's go ahead and have some precious moments, shall we? Oh, yeah. Sure. Precious moments. Well, I mean, I, mean, I think we, we, many of us have been under quarantine, like self-imposed quarantine, and not doing a whole lot this whole week. I have one. I have one that oh, my, I love. My nephew's birthday got canceled. Sad face. That does emoji. suck. But I will say, the, I was talking to Sarah about this yesterday, and uh, one of our friends has two little girls, and she has to stay home with uh, them, and they're just doing sleepovers and stuff like that. Because the kids the kids aren't going to get sick, so well, that I mean, is moreover, like, if you're just, if it's just, good. like, two, four, like, four or five people, it's not a big deal. If, if you want to take out of this crisis, like, one silver lining, it's that children aren't getting sick, so that's they are, good. They are super carriers, though. <laughs> like, yeah. they will carry the disease like nobody's business. Well, that's what kids are best at. And um, I don't say that ironically. Right. <laughs> uh, so, Being super carriers of disease. So a thing that has nothing to do with coronavirus yeah. that I found this week that I absolutely love is... So I think I've talked about it a little bit on the show before. I love me some hip-hop. I specifically love, like, that 90s-style hip-hop. Um, you're talking about Biggie, Swiss you're talking Swiss. about, yeah, talking about Biggie, you're talking about Pac, you're talking about Dre, talking about Snoop back in the day. And there is a rapper called Lil Dicky. Sure. And yes, that is a, uh, penis joke. Um, he has a great style and is just super funny. Incredibly funny. So I got into this, like, uh, just a YouTube hole where I just he's, kept he's, on falling down. He's been around, though. He's not I have brand just, new. Just, just heard discovered of him. him. And I just okay. discovered him because he has a show that I haven't heard of at all, or that I haven't watched at all on FX now, called Hi, I'm Dave, which is apparently his real name. But he's, like, he's great, but he's got, a, like, an amazing style. If you like that old school rap and also... You're just inherently like funny stuff. He's, he's great. So I'll put a couple of links in the doobly doo. 
uh, after the show, but Lil Dicky, um, specifically there's a video he has called Save That Money. Yeah. And Save That Money has like 147 million hits. So clearly I am super late to the game, but the concept of the video is he wants to shoot the most epic rap video of all time for no money. And so he goes around in LA from mansion to mansion being like, excuse me, can we, can we film in your house and gets like turned away until one woman is like, you're only going to be here for 15 minutes. Fine. And then he films a part of his video. And then he like turns out that Lil John or no, sorry. Remember the rapper on I'm on a boat? T-Pain. 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 And anyway, he's, what he does is he takes over his rap video and is able to like use like all these like different people dancing around and cars and stuff like that. They actually get celebrities. Absolutely. He goes to a Lamborghini dealership Mm. and gets them because the guy who is working at the dealership knows who Lil Dicky is. At this point in his career. Yeah, lets him like borrow. A lets Lambo. him borrow Lamborghini for like 15 minutes. Nice. So it's awesome because he gets to do all these different things in this video. And the whole idea is like the whole video is about saving money. It's fantastic. It's so good. So anyway, uh, Lil, Lil Dicky is the thing that's been making me laugh this week. Cool. He's very good. I've been getting back into Nirvana. So mm. Nirvana hated, um, like, press and popularity and they went on this british show that was like you know billboard uh, top 100 hits sort of but it was the british uh, equivalent of it and what they insisted on doing they were like you guys aren't going to be really playing your instruments up there we're going to take a pre-recorded track and we're going to play that and you're going to do the live vocals over the track and Kurt Cobain was like, we absolutely refuse to do that. And they're like, that's the only way that we're doing that. So he's like, okay, fine. So they intentionally butcher uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit on this British show. And he sings it in like a totally different voice. It changes the whole character of the song. And they don't play their instruments. They just move their hands over the instruments. <laughs> And like the drummer is like not like totally not drumming. <laughs> like oh, man. it's it's pretty classic. We'll make sure to include that video in the doobly doo as well. The, there are there are some great interviews with Nirvana um where they just like the, the whole premise of you interviewing me, I'm just going to ignore and I'm going to just like put a, a total non sequitur. That that is the beautiful part about just inherently not giving a shit. <laughs> like Sure. Yeah. Uh, they, they that asked, was Nirvana. That was the best thing about Nirvana. They they asked uh, Kurt Cobain like, um, "Are you uh, d- are you enjoying fatherhood?" And he's like, "Yeah, I enjoy vodka very much." Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's just like a microcosm. The the Beatles had a lot of interviews like that too, where they just like they totally didn't answer the question that was asked, or they answered it in a totally non sequitur way. Pretty funny stuff. That's also how George W. Bush did his entire presidency. So, mm. you know, he might have been a Nirvana. Fan. I remember that it felt sort of that way at the time, but after what three years of of Trump, I, I feel like W. had a pretty coherent presidency. Like, <laughs> oh, man. are you missing the good old days? Like, the good old days of George W. I so here's the thing: George W. Bush was a deeply flawed president in so many ways. But he did also have a number of virtues that even not long after his presidency, I look back on, you know, positively. And 
and I still do, they, I wouldn't go so far as to say that they outweigh the negative parts of his presidency. But, like, as a president, I could point to good things and bad things. Man, and I, I can say, I, overall, he was a bad president. I think I struggle to think of one but, thing, but okay. But with Trump, not only is it, like, there have been, like, two or three things that he did that maybe kind of accidentally turned out well. Okay, right. Like, uh, it's, I, I actively look for good things that I can, like, not much point there. out for him, but... Uh, and, and, and for, furthermore, like, it's so chaotic and incoherent when he speaks and just, like, what the hell is he thinking doing this, that, or the other, and it, I just, it's very frustrating. But that's not my precious moment. Um, I've been spending a lot of my quarantine time replaying a, a, an old series of video games called Fable. Oh, yeah, I love Fable games. Oh, man, they are so good. And so the, uh, the, the, first, the first one's super broken, because you can get a shield around you that, like, you know how it resets your uh, combat multiplier every time you get hit? You can get a shield around you that basically, like, whenever you get hit, it's going to cost you mana instead of life, and then you don't reset your multiplier ever. Oh, I should have so used that. I never used that. Super I busted. always just use the time slow, but like the so, second but one for and the, the third one, they're, they're so good. For the, good people, for the people who aren't huge nerds, right. uh, the, the thing about Fable that made it cool was uh, depending on your actions in the game, you can either become evil or good. And angelic on one end, you have like a halo, and evil on the other end, you have horns, and, like and your horns. skin becomes yeah. red. Yeah. Not the first ones I mean, to do that, but they no. had a really cool story. Oh, yeah. They have a fun story. That it's got, you know, it's it's easy to understand. It's easy to play. You don't really like, die. <laughs> like, there's not lives. So for like a beginner, someone who doesn't really play a lot of games, like, you're not worried about like Dying and losing everything. I think when it was it's, new, one of the things that they were applauded for was like the dynamic artificial intelligence that's in the game. Um, was some of the best for the time. Just a really it's well done game. games and, and they kept getting better. The, the first game was really good. The second one was, I think, a, a, a decent step up and the third one was huge. It is yeah. fantastic. It's so good. Really, really well done in terms of like quality of gameplay and graphics, but also the graphics maybe now aren't. And you get to make some pretty big choices in that one, if I remember correctly. And and they really did a nice job of making the good not so obvious and the bad not so obvious, Right. right? Like you go and play some of those types of games where you're choosing good or bad, and it's like, do you wish to murder this entire village of innocent women, or children, make and them cupcakes, or make them cupcakes? And like, oh, well, one right. of these is evil and one is good, but I don't know which. <laughs> it turns out the cupcakes weren't gluten free, you oh. monster. Oh, uh, so so at any rate, just good quality games, awesome, and I've been enjoying that. Well, I'm glad they're you've been also spending your time effectively. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, I actually sort of a little bit. Um, the, those games are kind of where I drew some inspiration for designing my Star Wars game. Nice. Which probably bleep out the Star Wars. You can say the word Star Wars. Can I? Does, does, and also, does I will say, that? one cool thing about George Lucas, at least back in the day, was he was always super cool about other people 
using his properties. Like, yeah. one of the Family Guy episodes that were based around Star Wars and the robot chicken stuff. They were always very cool because they realized mm-hmm. that by people making fun of the Star Wars universe in a way that, like, shows love for yeah. it. It ultimately helps the brand. Right. And sure. uh, as far as copyright goes, I'm pretty sure that you can have your own fan fiction and your own games that are related to the Star Wars universe and characters. You just can't make money. You can't sell them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't sell them. And I, d- I don't think you can, like, publicly display the movies. So I couldn't have, like, a, a projector screen showing of The Phantom Menace at my backyard with the whole neighborhood. Fair enough. I, I, I'm not super worried about the mouse coming to get me, but but they they do they will we, they will our prosecute. Last, our last episode got like 27 lawsuits, <laughs> so oh, I'm not worried. 27 about lawsuits. Listens, <laughs> <laughs> listens, <laughs> not lawsuits. Um, no, so anyway, yeah. but anyway, um, it, that's been kind of fun, and um, and and uh, I think I think that's it. It's been lovely we'll chatting with you guys. Uh, until until next time, uh, I guess. I really need to come with a catchphrase. Uh, I, I really want to thank you guys for uh, coming here to learn something new today. You're sticking with that catchphrase. I love it. Got to get something, right? Love you, don't die. They're calling it the Boomer Remover. Have you heard that? Oh, my God. They're calling it Boomer Remover. All right, you definitely need to mention that. <laughs> I think that's our stinger. There right you go. There. That's the idea. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Probably going to purr us in.